0: Welcome to Stand Alone. I'm Sabrina Lloyd, founder and CEO of Lloyd Agencies, a multi-million dollar company that ranks as one of the most successful in the insurance industry. My passion is empowering people to become the leaders that they were meant to be. With each episode, I'll teach you how to go from ordinary to extraordinary, how to think like no one else, how to stand alone. It's time we create massive success for ourselves. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Stand Alone, where we go from being ordinary to extraordinary. And I am committed to only bringing the best in the world to you. And I know, I have a certainty that today we are going to make an impact in the lives of millions. I cannot think of a better guest to have with us than Jason Redman, a retired Navy Lieutenant, 11 years enlisted as a Navy SEAL and 10 years as a SEAL officer. So when we think about a leader of leaders, this is who we are gifted with the presence of today. So Jason, I wanna thank you first off for being with us today for your service And I really want to dive into your book that everyone needs to get their hands on because we're going to talk about this overcome mindset that everyone has to tap into. There are things in life that you should do and there are things that are a must. And I love how you kick this off where you say that we can either move through adversity or we can fall underneath it. And I wanted to kick off today with you Explaining this because you are so uh, experienced with war, but you also have experienced this in the business world. Um, and what is an ambush? This is what I want to kick us off with today because a lot of us feel, Jason, like we are being ambushed. We have to keep things in perspective, right? Because ambushes are different for different people. But I want you to define that for us today as we then lead into that's what an ambush is and now why do we have it's a must we have to develop an overcome mindset
1: that's right well Sabrina thank you for having me on it's an honor to be on the standalone podcast and as a leader oftentimes you do stand alone and it can be lonely but you surround yourself with great people you build an overcome mindset you figure out the aspects of leadership that we'll talk about and it'll make the difference like you and I were talking about right at the beginning but uh you know it's funny you say you um, so many people feel like they're being ambushed. Well, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pull the curtain back. The magical wizard, I got bad news. You're actually, you are being ambushed. Um, the reality is, in this life, we all get ambushed. We all get hit. And getting into the nuances of ambushes, um, we can do that in a couple of minutes. But the bottom line is, I survived a pretty vicious enemy ambush. Bullets and bombs on the battlefield, you know, uh, closest fire mission, meaning we called rounds directly on our position, 15 enemy fighters, I was shot eight times by an enemy PKM machine gun between my body armor, my body, my face, Um, my teammates were shot. It was a brutal, brutal engagement, but thankfully, thanks to my teammates fighting back, thanks to uh, the Air Force air assets we had overhead, and then of course, thanks to the amazing medical personnel who saved my life, I am still here. And oftentimes when I tell, you know, really the, the, the overwhelming nature of that story, people are like, oh my God, I could never relate to that. That's just like mind blowing. But the reality of life is this. You may say, well, I can't relate to that battlefield ambush, but because you can't relate to the bullets and bombs of the battlefield, but the reality is everyone gets hit by the bullets and bombs of life, and, and we all, you know, get these unexpected things that come along, or sometimes we even see them coming, Um but they hit us they knock us down these last couple of years we've had countless ambushes i mean we have had uh we have had the covid the ambush of covid that it's that's impacted our businesses that's impacted our families we've had massive political division we've had political unrest Um, we are now rolling into some of the highest inflation and supply chain and hiring problems. I think we've seen at least in my business lifetime. And because I speak to businesses all across the world, everybody's feeling it across all industries. Well, those are ambushes. And the problem with ambushes is when they occur in military terms, we talk about the point of attack is called the X. And when you are ambushed, you are on the X. You are in the point of the attack, the point of the incident, the point of uh, adversity, the point of the crisis, if you will. And it's human nature to focus on that point. It's just, it's when we feel the most overwhelmed, the most stressed. Most of us tend to say certain things like, oh my God, there's no hope. It's too overwhelming. It's outside of my control. There's nothing I can do. Um, or or they say, oh, my God, this is such a bad day. How do I ever get out of it? And and all these things are lies. And, and, you know, just our brain goes into this mode. But the reality is, and it is the foundation of everything I teach, you just have to have that is what the overcome mindset is. You get off the X. You don't sit there and dwell on it. You don't dwell on the pain. You don't dwell on what you lost. You don't look for someone to blame. You don't look at, oh my God, it should have been our best year. This would have happened or that could have happened. You just say, guess what? I got ambushed. I got to get off the axe and drive forward. And that's what makes a difference. The most successful people I know, whether it's Navy SEALs, whether it's Olympic athletes, whether it's Fortune 100 or 500 companies, the ones that get off the fastest, they don't just survive, they thrive.
0: Yes, this is so powerful because what you really clearly demonstrate in your book is that more are coming, right? And you say we'll suffer from maybe five major ones in our lifetime, but, you know, there was a pivotal moment. So in 2007, you suffered the ambush um, in Iraq, and then you ended up on the hospital bed and you made this pivotal decision in this moment in time when you were coming in and out of consciousness. where you said like, I'm not going to be a victim. And I love your story, Jason, because you're, you've, you're very open where you say like, you've had leadership you know, fallbacks, and then you find it and you pick yourself up. But in that moment in the hospital bed, you had every right to be a victim. You had, it was the most logical path that you could have followed. And you, you chose the uncommon path. You chose to make a decision to write a letter put it on the door so that you could control the energy that was around you that helped in your recovery process. Could you touch on that where like in this moment where we're on the X, right? And this is, this is another X for you. After you got away from Iraq, you were in the hospital bed, another X. What made you in that moment where you could have logically said, I have every right to be angry, upset, I have every right to do this, but I'm not going to. What inside of you made you write that letter and then pivot so that you could start to rebuild?
1: So the um, this is a great moment. And there's a lot of, we got to peel this onion back because the reality is, one, I try and tell people all the time, an overcoming mindset is not something you can just switch on when hard things happen. They are, it is built over time. It is no different than working out, no different than building dollars, no bit different than building different income streams. An overcome mindset is built by doing hard things over time, confronting problems over time, and and, and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable at times. Um, and for me, that... that uh, the injuries I sustained on the battlefield and everything that came from that was actually the second major life ambush. And actually when, it, when that occurred, it was the end of a very long journey. I mean, you talk about at the beginning that I, I was a Navy SEAL leader and, and you're absolutely right. I was, I was both an enlisted leader and then I became an officer, but just because you carry the team leader doesn't make you a leader. And this is a really important thing to understand. Just because you wear the title that says CEO, or you wear the title that says lieutenant or admiral or captain or um, executive director or vice president or whatever it is, it does not make you a leader. And I think it's really critical to understand this. So for me, why I have gotten so good at talking about leadership to companies and organizations and teams is because... I did lead at this level, but at one point I had failed as a leader and I failed pretty big. I mean, my first book, The Trident is all about that leadership failure. And I pull no punches. I said, hey man, I made the mistake that a lot of people make as young leaders. It became more about me and how I keep moving forward than about the mission and the men and how we are navigating the intricate world. Leaders should be looking externally And the last place they look is at themselves. You place yourself last in the equation. And I wasn't doing that. And all of that led to um, my downfall. And it led me to almost get kicked out of the SEAL teams. There were guys saying, get rid of this guy. So that was several years prior to me being injured. And the hardest road I've ever walked. A lot of people think, oh my God, you got shot eight times, 40 surgeries, all these setbacks, all these problems. That must be the hardest thing you ever went through. And it wasn't. Hardest thing I ever went through was failing as a as a young leader in the SEAL teams and having guys say, We don't want to work with you. Like you're dangerous. We don't want you to lead us. As a matter of fact, there were several guys that said, We'd be happy if they kicked you out. And thankfully, I had some leadership that believed in me and said, You know what, you're you are a good leader. You have great potential. We just need to humble you and we need to you need to learn what it is to be an effective leader. And over that next several years began a journey for me, a very hard journey that really taught me some pretty amazing lessons. One, for the first time in my life, I did massive self-analysis and one, I come to realize I wasn't as great a leader as I thought I was. Um, My my priorities were skewed. I was more focused on, hey, look at me because I wear this rank on my collar And follow me because of that, instead of, hey, follow me because I'm giving you a reason to. And that's the quintessential essence of leadership. I now, as I went through this journey, there were three lessons I teach in leadership. Lead yourself, lead others, lead always. And and that became the focus that I, I just became steadfast in everything I did in every day. And, and we live in a world where with this social media world we live in, uh, Sabrina, I know, you know, when you were in the spotlight, you got lots of haters, you got lots of naysayers, I get them too. But that was kind of the first time in my life I had experienced that. And at this point, it was my teammates. My teammates said uh, I was getting the hate and the shade from them. Uh, and I, I mean, it was so bad that when I reported back to my first platoon after I'd made mistakes, guys like would literally get up from the table and walk away when I'd come in. And like, these are the guys I was supposed to be working with. I was supposed to be leading. And it took it took day after day of just focusing on those three principles. Lead yourself, 70% of leadership is your ability to lead yourself. Positivity in the face, of negativity, structure and discipline in your life, doing the things that you should be doing so that people naturally look at you and say, wow, like that person squared away. Like I want to be on their team. I don't know what happened in the past. Maybe they messed up, but I want to be on their team because they get it done. And that's an important lesson because it's never too late for anybody to come back. I meet a lot of people that say, well, I failed. I fell down. I had this happen. You know, this broke. My business failed. Guess what? It's never too late to come back. I am living proof. So this two-year journey culminated with that uh, deployment in Iraq. Everything was back on track the guys were like, dude, we'll follow you. You, you have shown that you have the ability to lead. You've shown you have the ability to make the right decisions. And, uh, I was on track for my next leadership position. I actually had been recommended for our next tier seal team to screen for that. I was coming home from that deployment to screen one week before coming home. I got all shot up in that gunfight. And I found myself laying in that hospital bed a week later. And, um, totally overwhelmed. You know, I talked about those feelings at the beginning when you get on the X. Uh, I felt like there was no hope. I felt like it was all beyond my control. I felt like there was nothing I could do. I felt like it was a bad day that I couldn't wake from. Um, and, and I remember laying there and it was about that time that the doctors were inundating me with all this negative information. Um, my, I, I took two rounds in the elbow and my elbow was effectively destroyed. I had no use of my left hand at that time. And the doctors were saying, your arm is totally, your elbow is totally destroyed. We're thinking about amputating your arm. Um, you are wired shut from all the damage you took to your face. My nose was gone. I had tubes coming out of what was left of my nose. My, um, my right eye orbit was shattered and uh, the eye had been messed up. So I had an eye patch um, and they were trying to fix that and figure this out. And I was faced with, okay, so let me get this straight. My special operations career is over after I just got it back on track. um, I'm going to be permanently disabled and I'm going to be forever disfigured. And the doctors were telling me it's going to be years to put me back together. And all about that same time, I had a couple of people that came into the room and were talking about what a shame, what a pity. We send these young men and women off to war and they're never going to be the same. They'll never be able to be successful. This is an important point that I want to bring back that you talked about and that I talk about a lot. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I talk often about the pandemic we're experiencing in our country, and it's not COVID, it's the victim mindset. There are so many people in this country that are convinced they are a victim. They are convinced because of where they grew up, their demographic, the color of their skin, the, the gender, gender persuasion, religion, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. They are convinced they're a victim and they can't get ahead because of some tangible property. And that's just not true. And what happened in that room that day is those people tried to place me into the victim box. Oh, because of what happened to you, you're never going to be, you're never going to be whole again. You're never going to be able to overcome this. And they painted this victim picture and then they left. And I remember laying in that bed, thinking to myself, like, like, is this me? Like, is this who I am? Is, am I, is that truly that I will be this broken individual that will never be successful again? The greatest gift you have as a human being and the greatest power you have over being a victim to be a victor is you have a choice. You have a choice in what you're going to do in any situation. And, and I, I don't care color, race, gender, gender persuasion. None of that matters. It doesn't matter. Are you going to encounter resistance? Are you sometimes going to encounter haters? Are you sometimes going to encounter uh, um, discrimination because of something? Yes. Unfortunately, it's true. There are bad people out there, but it doesn't stop you from choosing to get up off that X and drive forward and start saying, well, I'm going to make a difference. And it was in that moment that that's what I said. I said, you know what, man, you've been through this super hard journey." to earn back your reputation as a leader, you know the rules of leadership. Number one, you lead yourself. So guess what? You can lay in this bed and feel sorry for yourself, but that's not really leading yourself. Number two, you lead others. All around me in that hospital were young men and women who had been blown up, burned, missing limbs, traumatic brain injuries, and and part of leadership is just setting the example, you know? A large part of the leadership, that's part of leading yourself. 70% of leadership is leading yourself. It naturally inspires others, which is leading others. And I said, you know what, man, you got to set the example. Like, you know this. And number three is leading always. You don't get to pick and choose when you're going to lead. It's in the hardest times that it's the most critical to lead. And it was at that moment I said, all right, this is what we're going to do. And When my wife came back into the room, I wrote to her. I couldn't talk. I'm wired shut. I'm trach. They're feeding me through a stomach tube. And I, I wrote to her never again, never again, is somebody going to come into this room and feel sorry for me or try and place me into this victim box or bring in this negativity that will not happen again. Like this room is going to be a room of positivity. I wrote out this sign it said, attention to all who enter here. If you're coming in this room with sadness or sorrow, don't bother. The wounds that I received, I got in a job that I love, doing it for people that I love, defending the freedom of a country I deeply love. I will make a full recovery. What is full? That's the absolute utmost physically. I have the ability to recover. And I'm gonna push that about 20% further through sheer mental tenacity. This room you're about to enter is a room of fun, optimism, and intense rapid regrowth. If you are not prepared for that, go elsewhere. And uh, we signed it, the management, I don't know why. I always look at that and laugh. You're
0: managing the situation. I love it.
1: Yeah, but yeah. that is the power of choice. That is the power of positivity. That sign has gone on to motivate millions of people. It is. It is. Um, it has been written about in books. It's been in documentaries. Um, Secretary Robert Gates wrote about it. First Lady Michelle Obama wrote about it. Not once, but twice. It moved her so much in her book. It's. It earned me an invitation to, to go to the White House. I don't tell people, I don't, I don't say, Hey, look at me. I wrote this sign. I tell people that's the power of choice. That's the power of positivity. You never know what impact it's going to have on the people you are leading around you. And, uh, and that is getting off the X.
0: I love this. I'm literally, uh, so excited. Everything you're saying, you know, I believe when people speak the truth, it hits us on like a, on a deep, deep level. And, You you said something that's so powerful where you were really prepared to be able to handle the hospital situation, you know, because you understood that you had, you had to heal something that we're all affected by like the, the ego, right. That was scarred first. And I think a lot of people really need to like get the book and go deeper into this for themselves, because even being in business, Jason, a lot of people come to me and are like, you're a woman, how did you make it like so far? And I'm like, you think these men don't have problems? Like we all have problems. I don't look at it like that. And I love that you say this because I don't like it when people put that label on me. So I love this and thank you for saying it. And and I want you to like just unpack this a little bit more for people because you talk about this Pentagon of peak performance, right? And I really think, especially in today's age, where, you know, the foundation has to be strong because it prepares us to be able to handle more later on the next ambush that is coming. Right. And you start off with like the mental and physical aspect. When that is strong, you can handle more. And your doctor said this to you, like your fitness saved your life and we have to be mentally fit. We have to be spiritually fit so that we can handle more. Could you explain what this Pentagon is so that we can use it to like help us shield from getting unnecessary bruised and and battered?
1: Yeah, so to be a leader and make no mistake, everyone is a leader. If you're listening to this podcast, I mean, maybe you lead a company, uh, maybe you lead your family, or maybe you're just brand new out there in the world. You know, maybe you're going through college and I'll meet people that say, well, I'm not a leader, I'm a student. Well, yeah, you are, you're a leader. Mm -hmm. You lead at the most foundational level, we lead ourselves and, and the better you learn how to lead yourselves, the better you start to become a better leader of others. And the more you lead and deal with adversity, the better you're able to lead always to now get consistently into this pattern that it doesn't matter the highs and lows and the ambushes you encounter, you're still able to lead through those things because you've built the, the mental muscles to be able to do that. And and what I've come to find, uh, definitely in my own life and working with others that have been through trauma, the more balance we have as a leader, um, you know, and it's interesting, I've met some other individuals that are out there that are coaching and speaking and that there are some that say, oh, well, I don't believe in balance. I believe you should be all in all the time. Well, that's just not true. I mean, no one, I don't care how great you are or how You can't operate at that level all the time because life is complicated. We have our professional lives and we have our personal lives and we have our physical lives. And this body we have is the only body you're ever going to get. So how we take care of it, this machine you walk around in directly impacts everything you do as a leader. Like the better you take care of this, the better the machine works. And unfortunately, as humans, the older we get, the more the machine starts to break down so it's even more critical to take care of the machine as we get older because typically the amount of output we're trying to create gets greater as we get older especially you know when we're talking about our 40s 50s and into our early 60s that's usually when most humans are at that most productive levels you know so what came out of this is I started looking at what set me up for success when I was in that hospital bed. And as I went through this long recovery of being put back together, and a lot of people were like, how did you do that? Like, I, I, I don't understand. And I'll be honest, I wasn't, <laughs> I used to say, well, it's the overcome mindset. Uh, but when I wrote overcome, that's how the Pentagon of P- performance got developed. And the foundational level, like you talked about Sabrina is physical leadership. You need to take care of this body. Um, there is a growing trend in society right now that is um, celebrating obesity. And, and I'm not saying anybody is a bad person. If you carry extra weight, and for some people, there is a medical component to it, but you should be working very hard to try and reduce that because it is science, guys. It is scientific fact that when we carry extra weight, it contributes to cardiovascular disease, it contributes to higher stress levels, it contributes to diabetes, it contributes to harder stress in our joints. You're more tired, you're burning more energy because you are carrying extra um, you know, pounds and your body has to deal with that. All these things make a difference. So physical leadership is our ability to fitness, we move, uh, good nutrition, sleep. Uh, On the nutrition side, we watch the amount of, uh, you know, alcohol and, you know, other things that we may put into our body that can negatively impact our mind and emotional state. Sleep is another really big one. I mean, a lot of people who, especially they look at seals and they're like, oh, you guys go, you know, for days without sleep. Well, yeah, but we also recognize the negative impact it has on us. Sleep Scientists are really beginning to study the impacts of sleep and how critical it is to get good sleep because it regenerates, it, re- it replenishes the body, we heal, we think better, we do better. So all these things make a difference. So that's that foundational level of physical leadership. Number two is mental leadership. How do we build an overcome mindset? You know, uh, Sabrina, I mean, I look behind you, there's nothing but a shelf of books back there. Uh, leaders are readers. It is a true thing. Um, why? Because leaders are consuming information. We know that I can learn faster from you, Sabrina, who is running a multi million dollar company, than just trying to figure it out on my own because I'm not there yet. So I want to learn from you. And leaders are constantly challenging their beliefs, they're constantly trying to flex their mental muscles, and, and they're not afraid to get out of their comfort zone. That's mental leadership. The day anyone says, you know what, I'm good. I'm good. I'm. I'm. I've figured it all out. Is the day you mentally died in your leadership journey. I frequently, when I get called in to speak, they'll say they'll they'll say, "Oh, Jason Redmond's a leadership expert." And I quickly stop them. I say, "I am no expert, man. I am a student of leadership on a journey that will never end. I will continue to look for. I, I mean, running my own company, leading other people, I still sometimes make mistakes. I mean, because sometimes that's just humans are complicated." And that's what leadership is, our ability to motivate and inspire humans. Third level is emotional leadership. How do we manage our emotions? All day long, we're inundated with constant information. In this day and age, I mean, these insidious devices, I mean, we're constantly bombarded with information. Pings, tweets, dings. You got people telling us, hey, we've got this going on. We've got this win, but we've got this loss. Oh, my God, we just got ambushed with this. How do you manage your emotions? You know, so many people I know allow their emotions to drive how they live their lives. So, and, I, and I'll be honest, when I was younger, I did that too. And now I try my best as a leader to manage my emotions, to stay even keeled through the highs, the lows, and one of the most critical things to choose positivity in the face of negativity, because there's so much power in it. People want to follow positivity in this negative world we're living in. And, and that is a muscle, you have to work on it. You have, to, you have to constantly do it to get past what most people do, which is sink into the negativity. Number four is social leadership. We, this world is complicated and, and Western culture has a tendency to place focus on our professional careers. Uh, most of us as humans in the, in the Western culture, what's one of the first things we do when we meet someone? Oh, what do you do for a living? because we associate ourselves typically with our jobs. And that's not a bad thing. But we oftentimes get into a place where the majority of our emphasis is on that part of our social leadership spectrum. So our work relationships, our work acquaintances, our work friends. And you'll notice that as we get older, we tend to start pushing aside our close friends. Oh, you know, I'll get out and hang out with them, you know, next year. Um, And even our friends and family, and this is where this starts to get dangerous because I watch a lot of professionals who push away their friends and family, or I don't want to say push away, take them for granted. That's a better description. They take them for granted and they think they'll always be there. But in this world we live in, life ambushes come along and sometimes abruptly and unexpectedly, you get thrown off that professional train you're riding. And all those relationships that you had built and were focused on they go away, because guess what? They're still riding that same train they were on, that professional train, but you're off that train now. And the friends and family that you took for granted, now you're trying to rebuild these relationships in a time of crisis. And that's why I tell people, man, it is about balance. We need to make sure we're investing in all these relationships. That social leadership is critical. Uh, And it's it's not typically built through this. No, it's built through this. And then the last one is spiritual leadership. It's uh, how, how do we, you know, religion plays a part for me, it may not for everyone, uh, but I do encourage people, when I talk about spiritual leadership, it's getting outside of yourself. It's understanding humans, we have a tendency to look inward, you know, my problems are the worst problems ever. The problems in my business are the worst problems ever. And that's that's just a lie. There's, you know, billions of people on this planet. You know, what you're going through is probably nothing compared. I mean, think about what the Ukrainians are going through right now. I mean, how brutal is that? And these were all people who had their own businesses, who just were dealing with COVID and all these things. And now suddenly their world has been turned upside down you know, mothers and kids that are being killed, fathers who were staying behind to fight literally for their own freedoms. Spiritual leadership says, you know what, my problems kind of pale in comparison to what other people are going through. You know, when you have that natural tendency to say, oh my God, I had a bad day. Was it really? Right. I'm on a personal mission to erase that from people's vocabulary. No bad days, baby. If you're still breathing, if you still have the freedom to get up in the morning and choose which direction you're going to go, what you're going to work on, what you're going to do. It's not a bad day. And right. those five key areas create balance. And if you are balanced in those areas, when that ambush comes along, you're better, you're better, better able to absorb it and withstand it.
0: I love this. You know, you talk about, <clears throat> and for standalone too, people think it's about being alone, but leadership means that you are recognize to have the right people around you. And you talk about the importance of a team. You know, when I came into the business world, I was studying to be a doctor. So I was heavy on science. And what made me do well in business is I looked at everything like a system, like how our bodies are systems and there's multiple systems working together. And this is why I look at a business, the way our body works. Like there's different parts, you know, the heart can't be jealous of the lungs. Like you have to know that everything plays a part. And you, you touch on this in your book where you have to understand the importance of a team, because in these moments, when you need to fall back on, on someone else, you, you mentioned your wife, Erica, and you call her the long haired admiral. And I love this, you know, because she said to you, like, we're going to get through this and just those words, it gave you something to hang on to. And then you talk about it when you were training in the seals with this get your head under the boat. I would love for you to like dig into that. And then, you know, you went deeper where you had, you understand you need business coaches too. Like just because everyone wants to be an entrepreneur because they want to be their own boss. You talk about this. I love this phrase. You should trademark this. If it's, if it's not yours, the freedom intoxication. Cause I always say, listen, too much freedom, freedom, prematurely, if you don't have discipline and structure will lead to chaos. Right. Ah. So I love this. Can you break down what, what team matters to you being really, really good and centering yourself around strong people and humbling yourself to listen to people and opening yourself up uh, for that help?
1: Yeah, I mean, and that goes back to our social leadership. I mean, investing in those teams, the critical teams, the people around you. It's no different than the sign on the door saying, hey, I'm not going to stand for negativity. And it's not having yes men. I think that's really important um, because you want people to challenge your beliefs. I mean, I'm super creative. I'm an innovator. I, I'm honestly I'm always thinking of new ideas for our business or things to speak on. And the long-haired admiral and other members of my team, you know, they, they'll call me out and say, no, that's not a good idea. And I'll take a step back and say, yeah, maybe you're right. But also as a leader, you know, we find that balance, that give and take where we, we um, go back and forth. But at the end of the day, it's understanding a, a team all has to be moving in the same direction. And this is the idea behind getting your head under the boat. Um, And it really comes back from the foundations of SEAL training. When you go through SEAL training, every SEAL goes through SEAL training, um, basic underwater demolition SEAL training out in Coronado, California. And when you go through, you were put into boat crews and the boat crew is seven men who carry around this little rubber boat that weighs about 300 pounds. And uh, when you are obviously in the ocean, you're rowing, and we're going to come back to talking about rowing, but when you're on land, you typically carry it around on top of your head, and it's heavy, I mean it'll have water in it, it'll have sand in it, sometimes you'll get, you know, if you're lucky you'll get an instructor that'll climb up and ride in it, and yell at you while he's in it. Um, and, And your neck will start to hurt and your back will hurt as you're running around with this boat on your head. And what always typically happens is, as it is in life, we'll try and, you know, relieve the pressure for a little bit. And you'll try and remove your head from underneath the boat because, you know, with six other people carrying it, you can do that problem with that is when one person removes their head from underneath the boat, that weight redistributes. And typically, you know, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So if the guy on the back right removes his head, the guy on the front left is going to feel that weight redistrib- redistribution a lot more than almost the rest of the crew. And they will immediately feel it. And what happens is you start to get a lot of hate and angst and people start yelling, you know, get your head back under the boat. And, and business and life is no different from this. When we create a team, it's critical everybody has their head under the boat. And if you are working with teams, if you have a good team, they're always looking for how can I get uh, my head under the boat? We recently hired a new um, a gal that's helping us with our retail arm and, and really helping. I mean, she's almost acting a little bit in the way as a personal assistant, and she has been fantastic. Uh, because she sees problems and addresses them without sitting around and waiting. She just takes the initiative and says, hey, here, here's a boat that's got an open spot. Let me get my head under it and help the team. And man, people like that in your organization, hang on to them because they are individuals who want to have their head under the boat. Because when people don't put their head under the boat, what happens is you get anger and chaos and resentment and you will start to have a breakdown in the teams because the rest of the people who have their head under the boat who are actually carrying the weight they're going to become less focused on moving that boat down the beach and they're going to be more focused on that individual who doesn't have their head under the boat and that's where you start to have a breakdown in the team so as a leader it's critical we're always hey get your head under the boat you as the leader also have your head under the boat and it's making that difference Um, the other thing we were talking about was uh, freedom intoxication, which isn't really necessarily a teamwork-related thing. It's more of an individual-related thing, and it is. I think it happens for me. It happened when I retired from the military. Twenty-one years I had lived in this incredibly structured world where almost you know every minute of my day, when I was in the military system, uh, you know our day was planned out. You know we have this meeting and we're doing this and we're doing that. And um, when you become an entrepreneur you don't have that, you know, you have all this freedom. And for my whole life, I, I knew, you know, I had a schedule for working out. I had a schedule for the meetings I went to, we had a schedule for training and all these different things. And I started my own business and suddenly I was like, oh man, this is great. I don't have to, like, I don't have to get up early again. And if I don't want to work out this morning, I don't have to. And, but what was happening is Laziness, really, in my opinion, was setting in that freedom intoxication that I talk about. Next thing I know, you know, I wasn't getting out of bed till like nine in the morning or later sometimes. And, you know, my day was getting away from me where I wasn't getting the things done that I needed. So this is a dangerous thing. I see it in entrepreneurs. Um, you know, the, that's why rule number one how we lead ourselves, how you put structure and discipline and make sure you're getting those things done that need to be done people often ask me, what time do you get up? Normally I get up at six o'clock. Some days I get up at five 30. Um, for me, you know, and they're like, well, Jocko gets up at four 30 and I'm <laughs> like, yeah, man, good for Jocko. Good job, bro. You know, he's, <laughs> he's a friend. I love Jocko and, and Jocko has decided that's when he wants to get up. And maybe he needs to get up at that time in order to get everything done during the day. As a leader, you need to just lay out your schedule and decide what do I need to get done? And if you if you don't have enough time, then guess what? You got to figure out where to make that happen. Is it going to be on the back end or is it going to be on the front end and you have to get up early? But no matter what, that becomes that structure and discipline. And uh, it's not freedom. It's structure and discipline that makes the difference.
0: Yeah, I I love this. I think that it's so incredibly important for people to really, when you get the book, you start to, you know, immerse yourself into the language of a warrior. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing. You know, you talk about social media, a lot of people go with their phone, they read a quote, and like, I'm good. Yeah, for five minutes, you're good. And then you're like, I need more motivation. So you keep on going back to it. But if you dive into your words, your words have power. And to, to summarize this for, for everyone, when we're talking about being a powerful leader in today's world, there's so many things you're touching on. And one of the things I struggled with, uh, Jason, is this issue of hope, because I never wanted to rely on hope, but you said it the best I've ever heard it, where you call it an ember. and I, And I believe that when people read your book, It's so good because it offers a good form of hope. Instead of just fluffiness, it says, no, the ambush is coming. It's coming and it's going to, I love this. You said there will be damage, there will be casualties, there will be pain, and there's no easy way out. And that can give people hope to know, well, we can get through it. Can you, can you tie this all together for our audience to let them know, like, number one? be grateful because you're a world traveler. You've seen people living, you know, what we complain about in this country. My goodness, it's someone's dream. It's someone's dream. So if you could tie this together for our audience, I I wanna hear like, where did you get this idea of hope as an ember? And then to tie this in to like, no matter what you're going through, just move forward, move forward.
1: Yeah, movement is life. I mean, when you talk about an ambush, I mean, if you take it back to a military ambush or the ambush that I was in, um, when you are in the crosshairs of a sniper or an enemy fighter and you're taking fire or bombs, um, movement is life. If you stay in one spot, it makes it very easy for someone to to put their sights on you and take you out. If you're moving, one, you're moving out of the ambush location, it becomes much more difficult, and it's interesting the parallels in life to this. Uh, when we sit on the X, the X is like quicksand; it pulls you down, and it becomes harder and harder to get up. But if you're constantly moving, you know, across quicksand, it, it you're 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 not settling and getting sucked down into it. So, this is kind of the idea behind it. Ambushes come in three different levels. Um, number one is the micro ambush. This is the ambush of the mind, and most people will have. You know, some people may have a micro ambush every single day. It's that little voice that tells you, uh, Sabrina, you're not good enough. Uh, You're not a good enough leader. You know, you're a woman. So obviously you can't make it because you're a woman, you know, or Jay, you're, you're a wounded warrior. So you're not going to make it. You're a victim because you can't do this. Whatever it is, those are micro ambushes, but so many people get pinned to the X because of those micro ambushes and, and don't drive forward. Number two uh, is schedule disruptions. And and usually this is a little bit bigger than, um, you know, merely, hey, this uh, this appointment canceled or whatever it is. Uh, It it usually is something major that comes along in your life that creates a schedule disruption, but it's not a permanent long-term thing. And then the major life ambushes, these are the one that I talk about where most people will have at least five in their lifetime. And I describe them as they are things that will forever leave um, physical, mental, emotional, or deep financial scars, and usually a, a combination of all of those. And you never fully get over them. Um, Sabrina, you're old enough that I guarantee right now, you can look back on your life and think of a major life ambush, and it's still painful um, because that's how it is. It, usually it involves some type of loss. It could be the ending of a relationship, It could be uh, a major personal or business failure. It could be a lawsuit. It could be um, bankruptcy. Uh, It could be personal injury or, or accident to you or someone you love. It could be sexual trauma to you or someone you love. It could be the loss of a loved one. One of the biggest ones I've seen is the loss of a child. All these things place us on the X. Hope is generated from within it comes from within here. Hope comes from inside and hope is not something where we say um, oftentimes I meet people when they're on the X and they're hoping for an outcome. They are hoping to get back to uh, exactly the point they were before this life ambush occurred. And that's just oftentimes not reality. An overcome mindset and, and hope that we generate from, generate from within is an idea that I'm at least going to get off the ax and drive forward. You know, I can never replace, uh, knock on wood, I've never lost a child, but I have seen friends that have lost children um, and I've watched mothers who have lost SEAL teammates of mine. We can never replace that. We can't hope to get that child back, but what we can hope to do is that we can heal somewhat and maybe we can turn that into a new purpose, a new mission. And that is that ember that lives within us because it suddenly becomes a, a, a new purpose, a new path forward. And oftentimes in the darkest times, it's it's like in a storm that we have this little ember that suddenly we get lit. You know, we're using flint in, in, in the middle of the woods and the darkness and the storm. And we're like, man, I need a fire to get warm or I'm going to freeze to death. And we suddenly get this little ember and we blow on it. And we get that tinder on it, and it starts to pick up, you know, a little bit more flames. And we're starting to feed it. And how do we feed it? Well, we feed it with positivity. We feed it with forward momentum. We feed it with grabbing on to other positive people around us and building our team. And now we're all starting to lay the logs and fuel. Who knows? Maybe we got somebody coming along. They're throwing gas on that fire, and all of a sudden, man, it's this big bonfire. And we have launched off that X. Uh, We have found a new path. And and that's what hope is. That is my belief in hope. Hope, I think most people, when they think about hope, they hope for something external to come along and save them. Mm -hmm. Like if you are a victim with this victim mindset we have, they hope that someone else will save them. They hope that suddenly they'll find success because they're a victim. And because of race, creed, color, whatever it is, They don't have the ability to be successful on their own, so they need some external influence to come along to fix their problems. That is a lie. The power resides in you. And how do I know this? Because there are millions, tens of millions of amazing people. Sabrina, you're one of them. You have defied the odds. You are an amazing woman that has built a multi-million dollar business, and you're out there recognized as a leader setting the example. So for any woman out there that says, well, I can't do this, you have shown they can.
0: I love this. And, you know, the truth is we don't do anything alone. Um, we do it in the presence of greatness. And today, Jason, uh, you are in our presence and I, I don't know of a, of a human being that I can, if I had to say what greatness is, I would say, go look up Jason Redman. That's what greatness is. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for your words of wisdom. Thank you for your experiences of life and taking the time to package it in a beautiful book that can offer embers of hope to, to the world. And so I have a very large global audience and I just know the impact that you're going to make on the lives of so many. And so thank you. And God bless you. Thank you.
1: Sabrina, same to you. By the way, I noticed, are you still in the Chicago area?
0: Yes, I am.
1: So I am uh, working with some people planning a big event in Chicago in September. I'd love to, I'll message, I message you on LinkedIn prior. I'd love to connect. Perhaps we can meet in September when I'm there.
0: I love this, uh, this would be huge. Uh, we could do a big team event, let's for sure connect. So thank you. And where can people find you? If people are looking to uh, get their hands on more information, where can I go to get more help when I really wanna dig in? First, I wanna take accountability for my life, but how, where can I go to you for help with this?
1: Yeah, absolutely, go to jasonredman.com. That's my website you can uh, book me for speaking where you find out some of our coaching programs. You can buy my books. Down at the bottom of the page is all my social media links. I deliver nothing but relentless positivity on leadership, teamwork, and the overcome mindset. I stay away from politics because there's enough of that out there. Instead, I just want to help people be the best version of themselves.
0: Awesome. So thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, Sabrina. Thanks for listening to Stand Alone. If you like what you hear, I'd love if you leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me at I am Sabrina Lloyd or at Lloyd Agencies on Facebook and Instagram.